Welcome to Legends from the Hill, the Franciscan University Alumni Podcast. In celebration of our 75th Jubilee year, we are talking to alumni throughout our history about who they are, what they're doing now, and their candid experiences of life on campus. We're your hosts, Christy Fleming, Director of Alumni Relations, and Megan Cohen, Class of 2010. Join us as we hear how the Franciscan spirit lives on in the lives of our alumni on Legends from the Hill. Today on Legends from the Hill, we are thrilled to welcome our very special guest who originally hails from Detroit, Michigan. She is a 2007 grad and studied theology and now runs a nonprofit that she founded that features women of all, all backgrounds who are changing the world. She has quite an impressive resume, including being an author, a podcast host, as well as receiving an Emmy nomination for a short film that she created featuring a few incredible women she highlights in her work. It is an exciting pleasure for us to learn more about who she is and how she got here. So, Kate, welcome to the podcast. Welcome, Kate. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored and so excited to revisit my Franciscan University roots. Well, thank you. I think for us, I've never spoken to somebody who's an Emmy-nominated artist. So this is just a pleasure. So thank you for having, for joining us. Uh, Thank you. No, it's it's so crazy to even think that I yeah that I got nominated for an Emmy. That was something <laughs> I never in a million years thought would ever happen. And so it's such a such a gift and such an honor, as, as people always say, you know, when they're nominated for something like that. It's wow. True. Well, we'll get there eventually. But can we kind of go back to the beginning? Um, and can you fill us in on just where you grew up and how you landed at Franciscan for your undergrad? Yeah. So I am from a small town in Michigan, Brighton, Michigan. I live in Detroit, uh, downtown Detroit now, but um, from a small town in Michigan. And I am kind of a typical story of like a young person that didn't really know what they wanted to do when they grew up. Like at 18, I feel like there's so much pressure on young people to decide what you want to do and who you want to be and you know what your career is going to be. And I just didn't really know. So I volunteered a lot. I was always really involved in my faith community growing up and youth group and going on mission trips. And so um, anyways, I ended up finally going to Ave Maria College in Michigan. Um, now people know that it's down in Florida, the university is, but it was in Michigan. And shortly after I started there for my first year, because I was like, I'll just go there and figure it out like from there what I'm going to do. So went to Ave for a year and then they announced that they were moving down to Florida. And as like an 18, 19 year old, I was like, I don't even know what I want to do when I grow up. Um, I definitely don't want to live in a retirement community because that's where Ave was building their thing as a 19-year-old, so I'm not going. (laughs) And one of my, I had a couple friends who were like, had gone, um, had moved to Franciscan from Ave, so it had transferred. And one of uh, my family members and one of my friends simultaneously, like in the same week said, you know, I really could see you at Franciscan. And I kind of rolled my eyes and I was like, whatever, okay, I'll go look. So I like drove down to visit a couple friends. And the moment I got set set foot on campus, I was like, this is, this is my home. This is where I'm supposed to be. And so I ended up transferring from Ave down to Franciscan and um, the rest is history. That's, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, So can you tell us a little bit about your experience? Like once you got on campus as a student, you know, what were you involved in and, and what like struck your interest, you know, first off? 
Yeah. So I ended up studying theology um, when I was at Franciscan because I just was always interested in my faith. And again, like I still throughout the whole of college, I had no idea what I was going to do when I quote unquote grew up. So I was like, whatever, at least like I'll be able to use this in some capacity, even if it's like catechizing my children down down the line, at least I'll know my faith or be able to have conversations with people. So um, when I first got onto campus, I actually lived in the projects. I know that's now a part of the campus, but at the time, Franciscan was in the process of trying to turn it into part of campus living. So they just allowed, if you got grandfathered in, you got to live in one of the houses. So I had a friend that was moving out and she let me live in one of the houses. So that was a really cool experience to like spend my entire college career um, on top of the hill instead of living off campus somewhere. Um, And so studied theology, lived on campus um, in the projects, and I was really involved in a lot of different things. I've always really cared about... um, pro-life. So I was really involved in the pro-life club. Um, I was a member, I found out of the lambs. I was always really close to everybody um, in the lambs and didn't realize that I was officially a member, but um, really close to the lambs. Um, I love a lot of the households too. I had a lot of friends that were in um, the lions, a bunch of the guys I was really close to in that. Um, And so, yeah, I just kind of got involved in anything that I possibly could. Um, studying in Austria, the typical Franciscan story. So um, I was only on campus actually for a month and then decided to sign up and go to Austria because I was like, you only live once, like I'm going to Austria. (laughs) And so um, so my second semester I was in Austria. Um, But yeah, it was such a great experience living on campus. Um, I think everybody always talks about the community. And that's one thing that I'm so grateful for with Franciscan. I left campus with some of the best, you know, education, um, but also the community and the friends that I made at Franciscan will be lifelong friends, which is which is a gift. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, it's yeah, that's awesome. Um, so your life at Franciscan, how has that shaped kind of your post life? So we kind of we want to go into what you've done, but it, was there anything that was really formative of your time at Franciscan that has started you down this path? Yeah, I think that. So my life, I've really kind of, I don't know that I have like mottos, but one of my mottos, and I would say that it really came from Franciscan is I'm, I'm on a search for truth. I'm always asking questions and I want to learn more. And I remember being at, at Franciscan and I, people, people often ask me, um, especially people that went to secular universities. Oh, why would you go to Franciscan? Especially I was paying my own way, um, had to take out student loans, had to figure out how to pay it back, all those different things that so many students go through. But the greatest thing that I ever did was invest in myself and invest in my future. Because what Franciscan taught me to do is to think. So every single professor, whether it was science or theology or philosophy, not just philosophy, but any single uh, English, you know, professors would say, don't just take my word for it. Don't just regurgitate what I what I told you on your exam, Um, ask questions and um, challenge me, challenge me in classes, read other things, ask questions, challenge me on in your papers, challenge me on your tests, your exams. That is so rare and so unique in the world. And so for me, I'm just eternally grateful for that opportunity to be challenged. And also it taught me to be open to other people's perspectives and it taught me to be open to um, what other people think and what their experiences are or things that they've read. You know, like I'm always looking for ways to learn more or think about things in a new way. And so that's really what has led me to one girl revolution and what I'm doing now. I mean, that really has been, you know, started out as this little podcast 
and now it's grown into documentaries and um, we're doing a lot with social media and I have big hopes and dreams for the future. But um, really it's like me stepping into these different scenarios where it might not be a comfortable thing. I'm definitely not an expert on incarceration or um, homelessness or a lot of the different topics, uh, human trafficking, a lot of the different topics that we cover on One Girl, but I want to ask those questions and I want to be open and I want to be challenged. And um, anyways, that stems straight from Franciscan and I'm, I'm just so grateful for that. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about how you started this great, this great basic organization, One Girl Revolution? I mean, it's yeah. pretty amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It started as like a little heart dream. I always talk about it in that way where, and I think we, we all have those little things if we look for them, if we pay attention to it. So um, I'd been working in PR and media for gosh, 10 years probably. And then decided I was in Washington DC and decided to move back to Michigan just to be closer to family. And when I got back to Detroit, I had always kind of thought that I wanted to start something, but I didn't know what that looked like. And I mentioned to you before we started recording that when I went to Franciscan, I thought, oh, I'm going to get into radio or I'm going to get into <laughs> communications. And the program at the time wasn't um, very vibrant. And so I decided just to study theology and I was like, I'll figure it out. And it's really beautiful and cool to see my life come now full circle. Now I'm doing communications and um, the podcast and, and working in PR and doing a lot of different elements of communication. So I moved back to Detroit three years ago and um, was reading a book about the city of Detroit. And I, in Detroit, there are two phrases in Latin, which I studied Latin at Franciscan, um, <laughs> two phrases in Latin on Detroit's flag that were written by Father Gabriel Rochard. And they are, there's always hope and it will rise from the ashes. And I read those two phrases and I was like, I know what I need to do. I need to create a social platform a multimedia platform that highlights the stories of everyday women who are changing the world through their lives. And so the easiest way, which is not an easy way that I knew how to do that was to start a podcast. And you both know it's a lot of work to do a podcast, but <laughs> I was curve, like, you right? know, <laughs> yeah, I was like, if I can just do 10 episodes, I'll just start with 10 episodes. And if I can do 10 episodes, that's great. And so I did 10 episodes and 10 episodes turned into 20. And now we have 137 episodes. Um, we're starting back here in a, in a week, uh, I think. And so I'll have a ton more episodes coming this year, all different stories, all different ages from a five-year-old little girl that makes coloring books for children in hospitals, mm. all the way up to a grandmother that's dedicated her life um, now that she's retired, dedicated her life to serving marginalized women and their children. So all different things, survivors of human trafficking who are now helping those who, who have gone been trafficked, um, people who are working with those experiencing homelessness. I mean, anything under the sun, there's so many different, so different, so many different stories. And I encourage anybody who's listening to this podcast to go check out the one girl revolution podcast, find it anywhere, uh, Apple podcast, Spotify, but go through it. Cause there are going to be stories that inspire you and these women inspire me. And then that little heart dream, this little podcast, then I had an opportunity to work with a friend's production company to do The Girl Inside, this short documentary um, that features a professor and five incarcerated women at Cook County Jail to tell their stories. And then we have another documentary coming out. So it's just continued to grow and build. And it really just started with this little spark, this little heart dream. Wow. So I'll, I'll tell you, Meg and I watched the short film last week together. And I think we both were just like jumping out of ourselves inspired. 
and had so many questions like how do you meet these people yes and uh, I mean, it is such a wide variety of stories that you're telling that you really are dabbling in so many different fields. So we're curious, how do you meet them? And especially with yes. this short film that's Emmy nominated, that's huge. And it was really a beautiful, beautiful story. So thank moving, you. So thank moving. you. Yeah, it's it, I meet these women in all different types of ways. And sometimes I'll stumble upon a story on Facebook, you know, a friend posts something that I find interesting Um, My 73-year-old mother is a great resource for me. She'll, like, see something on TV, you know, she's watching whatever news thing and sees a story and texts it to me or sees something on social media. Um, And then so many of the stories have led to other stories. So, you know, I'll interview somebody and they'll say, hey, or reach back out to me a year later. I've had that happen. They'll be like, hey, I know you already interviewed me, but I know this other woman. You should interview her. Or I know this little girl in my community that's doing this other thing. Um, And so all the stories have led to other stories, which is beautiful. And it's sort of taken on a life of its own at this moment, like at this time. Um, And the girl inside the documentary, it's actually crazy. People might not realize like how crazy it is that we got a film crew into a jail, especially the largest jail in the world, which is Cook County in Chicago. And, um, but that was, I interviewed, my sister connected me with somebody, I interviewed her and, um, she had a really profound story. She was teaching, um, uh, mindfulness to incarcerated people at Cook County jail. And then she told me about the professor and I was like, all right, if I can get a hold of this professor. So literally cold called the professor, the professor put me in touch with Cook County and it took me nine months, which is really beautiful when you're thinking about because the girl inside truly has become my baby. Um, But it took me nine months to get clearance to take a film crew in and um, Cook County jail just offered to Dr. Biagi's former students said, Hey, there's going to be a film crew here. If any of you want to uh, be, be a part of it, if you want to participate in this one day course, Um, let us know. And so those five women signed up and just decided they wanted to come and be a part of it. And what's really cool is a couple of them have gotten out since we filmed and we've stayed in touch with them. So I actually got to interview one of the women on the, on the podcast a couple weeks ago. So just really cool things that come full circle. I think one of the most beautiful parts of the film for me was when they were reunited with Dr. Biagi and they saw her and there was this I mean, I could feel it, this this reaction between these women and and this, you know, doctor. And all titles were nil. You know, it was like a family mm-hmm. member. They were just overflowing joy, you know. That, that connection that you were able to capture was really, really special. Yeah, and the reality is, and I, I thought about it, there are a couple of scenes where you can see when we're sitting in a circle, you can see, like, my back or different things because I wanted to be a part. Of, I didn't want to be in it, but I wanted to be a part of what was going on. And I really wanted to, it was, it's always been important to me with the podcast and everything to level the playing field, right? Like at the end of the day, we're all human. At the end of the day, we all have struggles. At the end of the day, we all have joys, sufferings, like, you know, everything under the sun, we're all just going through the human experience. And so um, one thing I really wanted to do that day is, is, you know, level the playing field. And like, we're all in, in this together. We're all in this life together. And I remember sitting in this circle and we were going and you see this a little bit in the film where um, Dr. Biagi had, had asked, you know, tell me your first memory of play. And so we start going around the circle and all the women are like telling their different, like their first memory of playing as a little kid and all their hopes and dreams. And just as a really beautiful exercise. And I remember sitting there and being like, we're all the same. Like I'm, I'm one step away out of 
like I'm one step away from Cook County, right? Like I'm one step away from jail. You think about all the different things. If you had a different zip code, if you had a different family, if you had a different upbringing, if you had different friends growing up, like all the different factors that might lead someone to end up in Cook County jail at the end of the day, we're all the same. And one thing that's interesting is a lot of people, a lot of my friends, once uh, the girl inside came out, they wanted to know more about these women. And I wanted to know more too, right? Like I, I would love to do a documentary series on these women, but as I peeled back the layers, what they really wanted to know is why were they in jail? Mm. And to me, I never wanted to know. And, and I knew, I knew the crimes that had been committed that were in that room because Cook County was like, I was giving out pens. Like it was really important to me for them to like write something and for that to be on film. And Cook County was like, I mean, it's, if you want to like, good luck, but like a couple of these women have done X, Y, and Z. And so they told me like who was in the room just so I knew from like a safety standpoint, but Um, and nothing ever happened. Like it was so beautiful and powerful, everything that happened. So nothing happened, but to me, I didn't care. And so I didn't want to know who had done what, because I didn't want to judge them for that. Right. Um, and so anyways, there's a lot that I could say, but it it was a really powerful experience and I'm, I'm grateful to you both for, for watching it. Yeah, we were, we were definitely inspired. So thank you for sharing those stories. Yeah, definitely stunned kind of, I mean, it's, it's so interesting to, to see what you've done in the past, I guess, what has it been three years since you've started One Girl Revolution? Okay. Yes. And you get to shine this spotlight on all different women, all different, you know, races, creeds, backgrounds, you know, this whole, this whole gamut of women. And it, we were just saying before we did the podcast that it's, it's amazing that we finally get to turn the spotlight a little bit back on you and say like, how did this begin? How did you, how did you even come up with this? You know, I mean, your life is like giving a platform to stories, which is, is really incredible, but you're, you're changing the world one story at a time with this, you know? So thank thank you so much for the work that you're doing, you know? Oh, thank you for this opportunity to share. And that's it is like, it's all, you know, um, word of mouth. And so much of one girl is made possible because people listen to the podcast. Um, you know, people support our nonprofit, uh, and then like, you know, different media coverage that we've gotten and all the different things. So I can't wait to see where it goes from here, but I'm just grateful for the opportunity to share it. Have you had a, a certain moment or a certain interview that's been like a pinch me moment? Like, I can't believe I'm interviewing this person. Ooh, that's a great question. Um, gosh, so many. And even I would say like some of the stories of people like that people wouldn't know, right? Like that aren't like quote unquote celebrities. Um, but I've gotten so many, so many cool opportunities. Gosh. Um, one that kind of happened recently was, uh, a woman. So through my own PR connections, cause I still sort of moonlight and do some PR on the side, um, to pay my bills and all the, that fun jazz, which I know everybody who's listening <laughs> can relate to. We all kind of have these like side hustles, but, um, through a friend of mine who works for NPR, he connected me with Brooke Baldwin, who used to be on CNN and had her own show. And, um, so that's kind of a recent pinch me moment, but what's really cool is she's doing a lot to elevate women's voices and their stories. And so I knew her from CNN and I always really admired her journalism and her work. Um, but now it's cool because we've become friends and now it's like leading to other, um, conversations. And I have a a couple things that I'm working on with her for, for one girl, which is going to be really cool. Um, and so I would say that's a pinch me, um, Nicole Curtis from HGTV was on the podcast. So a lot of people might be familiar with her. 
um, TV show. So that was like a pinch me, but I would say all of the, like, every single woman that I've interviewed has touched my life in a, in a different way. And I really strive to be present to, um, their story and to the story that they want to be telling and the way that they want to tell it. And really my job is to kind of help them curate their story and tell it in a, in a, in the best possible way. Um, and so, yeah, there's, um, there's so many, and I can't wait. I have a couple of tricks up my sleeve this coming year. So I'm really excited to see there's a couple of things that hopefully people, if they subscribe, they'll, they'll see, um, some cool things coming. So I have some cool things up my sleeve. That's exciting. So you also have a book coming out, correct? Is that, are you allowed to talk about that? Yeah. Yeah. So it actually just came out. Um, and so, yeah. Um, so it's called living the feminist dream, a faithful vision for women in the church and the world. Um, there's actually a couple of chapters that feature Franciscan university Mm -hmm. because, um, it's about kind of just different stories about my life and um, my faith journey throughout my life, but then even like life experiences that I had and conversations that I've had and interactions I've had with different people. Um, and so there's actually, and now that I'm thinking about it, there's actually a lot of Franciscan stories in it. Um, there's a shout out to Father Dan Petit, who many people would be familiar with at Franciscan because he was my um, thesis advisor. So I wrote my thesis on chastity. And, um, this is kind of another way that Franciscan really uh, impacted my life, but I wrote, um, uh, my thesis on chastity and like the Catholic understanding, um, how it really is the fulfillment of the virtue of chastity and kind of talked about the evangelical view and the worldview and different things. But, um, anyways, that led me to when I was in Washington, DC working in PR, I ended up writing, uh, a piece that ran in the Washington post. Uh, the title was I'm living the feminine, um, Sorry, I'm a 32-year-old virgin living the feminist dream. It obviously went viral because that <laughs> sort of headline, and I had my picture on it and everything. Um, and so it went viral and opened up all these conversations. And so that, that's really how the book came about because New City Press and a friend of mine, Dr. Charlie Camosi from Fordham, um, reached out to me and said, hey, we have this idea. We want to start a book series that's called Magenta that focuses on bridging divides, you know, bridging division in the world, having conversations and really creating these spaces for compassion and dialogue. And so my book is the first out of the series, um, which is really exciting. Um, But yeah, so I tell different stories about my life and kind of all these different things that have happened. And a lot of it, I think, could be tied back to Franciscan, which I hadn't thought about until I'm talking to you right now. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, gosh, I feel like you're just the a picture of what the whole the whole picture of being Catholic is. So thank you for sharing that with the world because I feel like it's an image that we all should be striving to have our hands in in all of that and to be able to represent um, the whole church. So thank you for for doing that and for sharing with us today. Yeah. Oh, thank you. And I, I just on that note, I think it's so important for us to live in the world, right? Like a lot of times we, we feel like, especially going to Franciscan and I studied theology and it would have been really easy for me just to kind of go down um, a path. And some people are called to that. And I think that's really beautiful too. Like if they're called to be a theology teacher or join a religious order or any of those things, but um, even in, in those scenarios, we're called to live in the world and to be examples and um, so yeah, Franciscan's a, a great, a great place to be, to really form you and, and back you up. So when you go out into the world, um, you can be that example. Yeah. Go oh, out. Yeah. 
Well, speaking of the hill, the infamous hill, we're all from here, right? Um, we're going to do a little segment we like to call Hot Takes from the Hill. So this is just off the top of your head, and you might have already touched on some of these because you're, you're a consummate podcast host and, and guest. So, um, okay, how about your favorite professor or class, or you can do both? Um, I would say Dr. John Bergsma and any of his scripture classes. Like I literally took every class that I possibly could of his, I think, while I was at Franciscan. So Dr. Bergsma. Okay, awesome. Um, did you have a favorite friar on campus? I would say Father Dan Petit. He he just was like such a great, I had a couple classes with him and he um, was really helpful when I was doing a lot of different things like pro-life club and different things. He was always really supportive. So yeah, Father Dan Petit. Awesome. Where was your favorite place to study as a student? Ooh, I loved the student center because I like to be like around people. Like I, I'm that kind of person. I don't like to study like in my room or anywhere quiet. So I like to be like anywhere that there were other people around. <laughs> Great. Uh, what about your favorite thing to do off campus? Ooh, um, friends of mine and I had a tradition that we would watch Monday night football and go get wings on Monday nights. Um, and so we had a couple of different places. Drovers is one that a lot of Franciscan people like. And then there's another one that I can't remember. It's like a little hole in the wall place. I can't remember the name of it right now, but, um, we would always get wings. That was like my favorite thing to do. That's great. That's awesome. Who's your team? Your NFL team, Monday night football. Ooh, uh, I mean, I don't really have one. I like the Rams. I like Detroit Lions are, you know, always let me down. So, but well, you know, now, now you've them. combined both of those loves, right? Matthew Stafford is <laughs> yeah, in LA and the Rams. They're, Which is they're funny. going to the yeah, championship. So, so you have a lot to cheer yeah. for this year. <laughs> right. I know. I know. So if we can't have Detroit Lions be in it, at least Matt Stafford. So, <laughs> right. Right. Okay. And last but not least, what is was the craziest place you have run into another Franciscan grad? Okay. I have, I mean, there are numerous stories that I can tell, but one of my favorites is in, let's see, I can't remember the year, but I went to John Paul II's canonization in Rome with a friend of mine and two stories with this one. This is so crazy. So her sister was in a religious order in France and she was like, Hey, let's fly to France, visit my sister, and then we'll go to Rome. Great flying there on the plane. And she was like, Oh, my sister went to Franciscan. I can't believe I never connected the dots. I knew her sister and we were friends at Franciscan. I had no idea she joined a religious order. So I show up in France, Aaron Moan. So anybody who's listening, Aaron Moan. And I had never, I've known, I had known Kara for years and never connected the dots. So that was the first, that was the beginning of this trip. Oh gosh, beautiful reunion, and right? So okay. we, we like freak out right. in, in this convent. And um, then we go to Rome and like, whatever, one night we're having dinner at this like, like little outside cafe and all of a sudden I turn and of course I'm in Rome. I'm right. going to run into a Franciscan person. Right. And I turn and we're sitting at this restaurant. The next table over, Zach Hohenberg was sitting there who's a friend of mine from Franciscan. And I was like, wait, what, Zach? And so we freaked out in this restaurant. So I had bookends on that trip of two <laughs> random crazy run-ins with Franciscan students. Roman religious life. There it is. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Well, Kate, thank oh you gosh. so much for joining us. Before we go today, can you let our listeners know where they can find you on all of your platforms? 
Yes. So um, let's see. Check out onegirlrevolution.com. So it's the number onegirlrevolution.com. You can find all the information. You can find the documentary there. You can find all of our social media links. Um, sign up for our email list. All the podcast episodes are there. You can listen to the One Girl Revolution podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, wherever you listen to podcasts. We're, I'm starting to do YouTube now because apparently that's where 15-year-olds listen to podcasts, so I've been putting it up there. Yeah. Um, and then we are on social media, so Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at One Girl Revo. We have a YouTube channel, so subscribe to that at One Girl Revolution. And then my own personal is just Ms. Kate Bryan. You can find me on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter as well. Awesome. Well, Kate, thank you so much. I know we are all inspired and can't wait to share this message with uh, all of our alumni. So thank you so much for uh, joining us here today. And we look forward to seeing where this goes and following you in the future. Thank you so much. And I'm excited to follow the podcast and listen and, and hopefully connect with so many other alums. So thanks for what you're doing. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Legends from the Hill. If you liked this conversation, please share it with an alumni you think would also enjoy it. And be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Franciscan Alumni to stay up to date on events in your area and news on campus. Do you know an alumni who has a story to tell? We want to hear legends from throughout our 75-year history. Email us suggestions for the podcast at alumni at franciscan.edu. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode of Legends from the Hill.